we still have our five o'clock service, and uh, Jason is preaching through the book of Jonah. So you come back and hear Jason at five o'clock tonight. Next week, Lord willing, uh, he may be a major now, but uh, Captain or Major Jeff Hurden will be here. Um, he's a chaplain in the Army, one of our guys that graduated high school, Laramie, back in like 92. Uh, got saved at the University of Wyoming while he was there. Went on to seminary and a career in the Army, and we're very proud of him. And uh, his wife, Sarah, always also one of our college girls. And they're going to be here with their family. In fact, I think they're in Colorado this morning, but looking forward to hearing from Jeff next week. This morning, I want to look at Psalm 100, the psalm for thanksgiving. My grandmother, Berglund, pastor's wife, born in 1894, I believe, had eighth grade education and uh, had more of an education than I think most of us got in high school. She knew Latin and Algebra two and all that before uh, she got out of school, but she worked hard all of her life, faithful, godly woman, and she taught me so many psalms. I think after Psalm 1, this is the next one that she poured into my life, and uh, just a great psalm, and I think as we spend time here this morning, you'll see it's a very convicting psalm also. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your word. We thank you that we have a nation that we can worship you freely. Lord, we recognize that you are the founder of this nation. You are the sustainer. Lord, I thank you for the elections. Lord, that we have an opportunity to have a president that is for our constitution laid down by our forefathers that says that he's against abortion. Stronger stand than any president in recent history has taken. And yet we don't know if he knows you or not, but... We know the vice president has a clear testimony of knowing you as his savior. Lord, I pray that he be that influence on the president-elect and on all the things that he puts his hand to. Give wisdom to Donald Trump, Lord, as he begins to take office, that we might have an opportunity as a nation to continue to preach the gospel, to be a sounding board, and also to send out missionaries. Lord, that we would not use this opportunity just for ourselves, but Lord, that we might use it for the gospel. Lord, I pray that we would be a thankful people as your children, that we would be known by our thankfulness because you love us so much. Give us understanding of your word, Lord, this morning. Lord, I pray that I might be spirit-filled as a teacher and that we all might be spirit-filled listeners, not forgetful hearers, but obedient to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We've read this psalm. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. The first three verses are a call to praise the Lord. First of all, for his children. We just sang an amazing song. How can we keep from singing God's praise? When we understand who he is and all that he does and continues to do for us, all that he's done for us, how can we keep, on sing, keep from singing? In the past, we had an old fella, faithful old fella, but he told me, I don't come to sing. I just come here for the word. Like, that's some standard. He's with the Lord now and he knows better. But, like, that's some standard. He's here for the serious stuff. 
No, no, no. If, if you know the Lord, you anticipate this time every week. And hopefully during the week, there's a song in your heart. Jason, because of his relationship with the Lord, is always picking these songs. And usually one of them is just kind of with me all week long. How about you? This probably will be the one, except for I heard the last one they're singing too. And I love that one. But he says, make a joyful shout, not just a holy murmur. As we really understand and grow to know the Lord more and more, what happens? Our expression of worship increases. You say, well, I don't sing very well. Then say you have to. God will tune that up in heaven. You'll have a place in the choir. It'll sound awesome. I hope he tunes me to be like a lion because I just love to be able to roar, you know. You ever go to the zoo and the big old male lions walk around, he just, and the whole place just goes, I want one of those. But now he says to make a joyful noise, to shout. But not only is it called a worship for all believers, it says in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's where the shout comes from. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. That's the foundation of it. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. That's our God. Do you belong to him today? Are you a part of his flock? Do you know him? We are today and we have been a nation of laws, which makes it a lot safer to drive down the road, doesn't it? You ever think about that? Just the fact that the law says you're supposed to stay in your lane gives you a lot more confidence as a driver. Not, not everybody does. But for the most part, people obey the law. We're a nation of laws. We've just gone through an election. But we have a lot of our people in our nation don't understand that we're a nation of laws and they think that we're a nation of whoever cries the most gets their way. We just had an election. And we have people rioting, like somehow, oh, oh, that made you feel bad? Well, let's give you a safe place. Let's just let the other girl be the president. No, 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 no. Nation of laws, order. And I don't know about you, but it makes my heart heavy. When I hear certain politicians just angry and people, you know, stars, Hollywood stars, just angry angry, almost violent that the new president is against killing babies. Have you ever heard of such a people that just desires to kill babies? So much so that even if they're full term, they still want to wipe their life out. They, they file, follow a woman who's dead now and also knows better, but probably not in the same place. There my other buddy was, Margaret Sanger, who said, if you have a large family, the best thing you can do for your infant children is kill them. Socialism's not, not pretty. It's not pretty. 
The religion of man and the sciences of man are not pretty. They're not for life. They're for control. And they're violent. And it makes my heart heavy. But this call in verse one is also a prophetic call that one day, Philippians 2, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's prophetic of the great victory worship celebration that we see in Revelation 5, 11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of millions and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Verse 13, and every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard to him who sits on the throne, to the lamb be blessing, honor, glory, dominion forever and ever. Revelation chapter 7. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the tr- throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, and who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. One day in heaven, some from every tribe, tongue, and people group, and everybody there. And like Dr. Bookman taught us last week, not just heaven, but the new heavens and the new earth will be filled with the praises of God and not one hateful, bitter voice left. Not one. But we that know the Lord, we have that opportunity now. It's verse two that is so convicting to me. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. That's where the joyful singing comes from. Serving the Lord with gladness. But oh, we're like Martha sometimes. We get so under the load and we get so focused on right and wrong and, and who's doing right and wrong and we forget and we take our eyes off the Lord and pretty soon we're just going through the motions. Sometimes even with a heavy heart. We get our eyes in the wave like Peter did. We get our eyes in the storm and there's the Lord sleeping in the boat and we think, oh, the Lord doesn't care about what's going on. And we even take it unto ourselves that we think we've got to handle it, we've got to manage it. When all we have to do is go back to him. When the load begins to be heavy and you recognize from a verse like this, you're reading through it in your Psalms in the day, I'm not serving the Lord with gladness, that's a good thing to recognize that. Because you won't go too long as a believer not serving the Lord with gladness that you'll just be discouraged and maybe even depressed. You see, we worship God best, John Piper says, when we enjoy him most. We worship him best when we enjoy him most. And so when we see in our lives that all of a sudden we're just pulling the plow And we're patting ourselves on the back because we're faithful, but there's no gladness. That should be a wake-up call. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Oh, don't you anticipate this time, especially when it's been a hard week? 
Believers that are living out there, they're living the gospel out, they're living their faith out, you anticipate this time. Even if you're not walking in the door singing, you know you need to be, and so you're just anticipating, I can't hardly wait to get with my brothers and sisters and get my heart tuned to sing his praise. That old gospel song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Fix it, Lord. See it for your courts above. Fix our eyes on the Lord. Tune my heart, God, to sing your praise so that it becomes a lifestyle of worship. Oh, we need to be known as a thankful people. Not as the people with the right answer, not the people as the experts. And I've said this before, but so often our young men, and rightfully so, they want to know the right answer, they want to know uh, the, the, the word of God, but they think the focus is to become an expert, and it's not. One of the reasons Dr. Bookman is such a blessing, he's been such a powerful mentor in my life, is because he's a learner. That's what methetes says. The Greek word methetes is the word for disciple. It means learner. Lifelong learners, not experts. You know, in heaven, we're going to be learning forever the depths and the beauty of the wisdom and the power and the glory of our God. We're never going to get to the end of it. Okay, now you know it all. So why in the world would you think you get it now? Learners. Serve the Lord with gladness. Then verse three, know the Lord. You know that he is God. He's God. Jeremiah 29, 23 says, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not a rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Isaiah 46, 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. That's our God. He's God. He's not just an influence. He's the creator. You're not self-made, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4. What do you have that you haven't been given? And if you've been given everything, why do you boast like you haven't been given everything? He's God. If you just take a moment as a, as a child of God to remember, he's never going to leave you alone. He promised to never forsake you. How can you keep from singing his praise? He knows the end from the beginning. He saved you on purpose and he gifted you that you might fulfill that purpose. All you have to do is yield to his spirit. Oh yes, there are trials. And some we don't understand, but he does. And like the old song says, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. And he will lead us gently through. Not only as creator, but we are his possession. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It's not the the sheep's job to figure out how they're going to eat or where they're going to be watered or how they're going to be protected or cared for. That's the shepherd. That's the shepherd. It's such a peace to me and to my friends. We have so many of you that are entrepreneurs. And when you're an entrepreneur, you feel like sometimes you're out there by yourself because who cares? God cares. And if you will take the time to find out, is this the Lord before you make a decision? Then when you come to the trials of those decisions, it's just God showing you again how awesome and great he is. He didn't lead you out there to cut the branch off behind you. He didn't lead you out there to destroy you or discourage you. Or cause you to fear because... 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a disciplined mind. And what we need to teach ourselves by the word of God, what we need to grow in is this idea that we can trust the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Did you acknowledge the Lord when you were making those decisions? Yes, I did. Did you believe that was God's will? Yes, I just really had peace. That was God's will. Well, then trust him tomorrow. And if that business, that venture, that relationship fails, know this, God hasn't failed. And he's gonna continue to lead you. And he's got something better in mind that you can imagine. You can trust your soul to a faithful creator in doing what is right. All you have to do is follow. You don't have to think it up on your own. You're his flock. He's the shepherd. His responsibility to protect you. His responsibility to provide for you. His responsibility to lead you. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. I shall not want. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, not for mine. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because the shepherd is with me. His rod and his staff, they protect me. He prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, God just loves to rescue his children. And to him, it's not really a rescue. We think, oh, it was just the last second and God showed up. It wasn't the last second for God. That was our perspective. He's always on time. And about the time you you think you figured out, well, I've got this all figured out. This is how God's gonna do it. He never does. He does it so much better. Why? So that he can get all the glory. The time a fellow told me, well, you know, I just believe that heaven is gonna be, you know, like for each individual, the greatest thing you can imagine. Absolutely not. And my friend was like, well, what do you say that for? Because the Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither that entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. So you can't imagine. He's not going to take my fallen imagination and try to create heaven after that. Why would he do that? And so his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our, our thoughts. What he asks you to do is just trust him, just like when you came to him. He said, if a man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. Just follow him. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Then he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Bless his name. How do we bless the name of the Lord? By being that blessing, by living a life of worship. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, after 11 chapters of soteriology, that's the doctrine of salvation, after 11 chapters, how God saves every one of us, everybody needs a Savior. The first three chapters, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Chapter four, salvation is by faith, not by works. Chapter five, how are we getting this mess? Adam sinned and death passed upon all men. Therefore, everybody sins, everybody dies. How do you live the Christian life? By faith. Chapter eight, it's God that keeps you secure. Chapter nine, it's God's sovereign choice. Chapter 10, when you feel it, how, how do you know? It says the word is near you. Verse 8, in your heart and in your mouth, the word of faith that Paul was preaching. And then in verse 9 and 10, that if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made, resulting in salvation. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you realize what a rich, rich blessing undeserving, apart from any merit of ours, of mine. He saved us. You come to chapter 12, and Paul says, because of all those blessings. Therefore, brethren, because of all of the great blessing of salvation, I beseech you, present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice, no will of its own. Holy, acceptable unto me, this is your spiritual service of worship. Not church on Sunday, everything. This should just be an expression of your week. Even if you had a tough week, you've been in the trenches, you've been in the front lines, you can't hardly wait to get here because you've been there for the Lord. That's how we bless his name. It's with our voices, with our words, but also with all of our life. And that's why Psalm 103 says, bless Lord all my soul and all that is within me. When you come and you give your offering, what does that represent? Your life. When you give your tithes, what does that represent? Your life. It's recognized, God, you own everything. Everything's a gift from your hand and I just love to give back to you. Lord, I wanna be like you. We bless the Lord by becoming what God has saved us for, what he has gifted us for, by fulfilling our purpose for him. We bless his holy name. And that is such an amazing thought because who is worthy? Who is worthy to be called kings and priests unto God? But God has made us that. And John says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear, we will be like him. Everyone that has this hope in him lives holy, purifies himself even as God is pure. Verse five, for the Lord is good. 
the number one thing God wants you to know about himself is that he is good. There's nobody like him. He is good. Moses saw his power and his wisdom. And he said to God, God, I want to see you. What a great, great, great prayer. Charles Spurgeon said, did not Moses' knees smoke together as soon as he uttered the prayer? Didn't he recognize as soon as he uttered those words, oh, what have I asked for? In Exodus 33, verse 18, Moses said, I pray you show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. In Exodus 34, the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and grace, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgives iniquity, transgression and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children, on the grandchildren, the third and fourth generation. You say, well, how is that good? Because he is just. And he doesn't let the wicked get away with it. And yet he didn't let anybody get away with their sin. He doesn't just overlook your sin. The punishment for our sin was laid upon our Savior, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. That's how good God is. He is so good. His mercy is everlasting. God will keep forgiving you until he takes you to glory and he fixes you. 1 John 1, 8, John is marking out the marks of a believer. Not things you do to be saved, but things that are in your life because you belong to him. And he says, what are the marks of a believer? 1 John 1, 9 is we confess our sin. We're always confessing our sin because we continue to sin even though we've been forgiven and he's made us perfect in his sight. We still have the flesh and so we still sin. If any man says he has no sin, he's a liar. He's still lost. The one mark of a believer is we have no problem saying, listen, it's not our righteousness, it's God's. And he said, little children, I write these things to you that you sin not. But remember this, if you sin, you have an attorney, you have an advocate with with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one who gave his life for you. But what happens as you go to God on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis sometime, and you say, God, that's sin. You agree with God, Lord, that's sin too. Lord, that's sin. And the Bible says he is faithful not only to forgive you based upon the rights of Christ, but also to cleanse you. That's his job. You don't have to fix yourself up. But what is the result of that? you're a child of God the result of that is your love just grows and grows and grows his mercy is everlasting he never gets tired of forgiving us when Peter asked the Lord how do how many times do we have to forgive he said well I'll try 70 times seven in a day 490 times a day for the same sin what's he trying to say you stop forgiving when God stops forgiving you because God's mercy is everlasting and his faithfulness is to all generations. He always, always, always keeps his promises. What a God. He never grows tired or weary to every generation. Henry Blackaby said, how do you know 
that the blessing that you're experiencing today is not the answered prayer of your grandparent that maybe you didn't even know. Because God is faithful to all generations. Every generation has the opportunity to hear about this great God. And so based upon the, uh, that, that foundation of truth, how can we keep from singing his praise? Sometimes you can be walking along thinking about the promise of God. It just want to make it just makes you shout, doesn't it? And you look around and say, "Well, who's watching?" Doesn't matter. Somebody hears, "What are you shouting about?" I'm shouting about my God. I love to shout your name, O Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. How powerful it is. This old psalm, we have memorized it, so many of us, but it is your blessings, your mercies are new every morning. And Lord, we trust your faithfulness to keep your promises to every generation. Lord, you're bringing this thing to a conclusion. Lord, I pray that we be serving you with gladness in our time, in our place, that we might be found faithful. Serving you with gladness, Lord, so that we might hear from you, well done, faithful servant. Lord, I pray that this might be a week of this people serving with gladness, shouting praises, thanksgiving to our great God. There is no one like you. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.